Okay, we are rolling live. So it says, Stefan Maya here with you. AddedSouls.com is the website. And uh, this is the early bird podcast sessions. How you doing? Doing okay? Things working out? No? Having some problems? Things are a bit challenging, are they? Hey man, it happens. Welcome to real life. <laughs> it's not the fairy tale they told us in <laughs> on TV while growing up, huh? Ah, how I miss those Saturday morning cartoons, right? Oh, well, what we're doing today is, of course, to our theme on Wednesdays, and that's to uh, study the scriptures, and we're in the uh, book of Genesis. And you will have to forgive me. It's been a minute, a few weeks, right? Uh, A lot of stuff going on, and um, priorities, responsibilities, this, that, and the others, getting things organized, and uh, all that kind of good stuff. It's all positive, though. It's all good stuff. Kept me away from uh, my sessions from Monday to Friday. And you can check out the uh, the itinerary there in the show notes to look at what we do each day and how we go about it. If you are interested, by all means, please subscribe. Right? Give us a thumbs up. Like and follow. And what else do they make us do? Uh, well, yeah, comments and share and all that kind of stuff. It's of good purpose, obviously. It's to uh, reach the faithless, renew the fallen, and reinforce the faithful. That's what it's all about. It's our Christian faith in motion, in existence, reality. It's tangible. You can hold it, this trust, this faith we have, right? And uh, we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 28 this time around. Last time we were in 27. And uh, we had finished off the chapter, and you can go look into the archived videos and uh, take a look at that. You can get up to date, if you will, with it. I encourage you to do that. Some wonderful information within the text that we've been talking about and opening up for discussion. And it's been uh, beneficial, beneficial to our spiritual path forward on this narrow gate. Hmm? Yeah. So what's taking place over... In Genesis chapter 28, well, we are in the uh, recorded and witnessed account of Isaac and Rebekah and their children, Esau and Jacob, and um, the unfortunate events of a divided home, right? That's kind of what's taking place there, the unfortunate events of a divided home, sadly. And the home is divided because of, well, sinful things. Sin gets in the way. Lawlessness is a treacherous, nefarious, sinister component of our free will. And uh, we choose to participate in lawless activities that cause our families a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow. And within this realm of witness and account recorded, we have read how Rebecca and her instructions to her son, uh, Jacob, right, uh, were to deceive Isaac, his father, and become the recipient of the blessing in which he did achieve. Unfortunately, again, Isaac was just not capable in his current health conditions, if you will, his current age, his current status, to recognize what had taken place. In the deception. And now Jacob um, 
was the recipient of the blessing, and Esau, when he found out, well, you can just imagine, Esau was not too pleased with what had taken place. So Esau bore a, a grudge, right, against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And uh, grudges can be, uh, uh, what, what should I say, a uh, contaminant that can compromise your faith because it can have you participate in bitterness, in uh, retaliation, in revenge, and away from the turn to the other cheek principle. After your own family members, and um, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go down or spiral down that path because it doesn't lead to anything positive. It will have you become as toxic as the toxic individuals who have chosen to high-handedly sin against you. And uh, you don't want to participate in that. You don't want to allow their contaminated to toxicity uh, to infect your bloodstream, if you will, to infect your mind and thoughts and have it manipulated into this grudging kind of position, which is not healthy, you know. It's just not healthy physically, it's not healthy spiritually to do so. Now, a great sin has been committed, and there is no forgiveness until repentance takes place, but that doesn't mean you should hold a grudge. What you should do is trust God and His timeline and His justice, and we remain responsible to what we ought to do uh, in regards to the word, guiding us into what is right. And uh, Esau should not have bore the grudge, but have placed his burden, his anxiety, his pain, his frustration, his betrayal, the deception that took place against him and his father. He should have placed that before God and sought God's counsel and move forward along those lines. Anyways, so Esau bore a grudge against Jacob, verse 41 of chapter 27 uh, would reveal that, and it's because of the blessing with which his father, Isaac, had blessed uh, Jacob, right? Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father, Isaac, had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will murder my brother Jacob. See, that, that's the infection, um, and we can understand that. Those of us who have been the victims of injustice uh, at the hands of deceptive manipulators, psychological manipulators, uh, these kind of brutes, these tyrants, these divisive brethren whose purpose is only to infiltrate, manipulate, and dominate, to take preeminence, to concoct some of the most cunning uh, lies, bold-faced lies that one could ever see. Some of the most evil workers who have since crept in unnoticed within the church among us. They are not, of course, of us. They are not saved, but they are firmly convinced they are, and what they are doing is right. Sadly, they, they, they aren't. These kind of tactics, these nefarious, unrighteous uh, motives, this agenda from 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 uh, this lawless source of thinking, if you will, uh, causes a lot of pain in families. It, it, it splits marriages, it splits families, it splits churches, it splits friendships, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's sad, and it's devastating, and it's sorrowful. But it happens at the hands of sinful-minded individuals, evil workers. And in this recorded case, this family is divided, and there's a lot of pain going on over there because, well... We got Isaac, we got Rebecca, 
we have Esau and we have Jacob, and there's a division there to the point where there's so much sorrow and pain and deception and, and, and the, the consequences of sin is so grand that we have a brother wanting to kill another, you know? And we know where we know where all that came from. Look back at uh, uh, um, Cain and Abel. You know the twist of Cain, and uh, how evil that is. But yet, this is a fallen world, and individuals have the deci- make decisions to be evil, and they do. And and sadly, we have to we have to live with it, even when they are those closest to us, like a brother, a cowardly brother a deceptive brother, someone in our own fold, in our own church, in our own family, things like that. It's just sad. So as a result, of course, Esau here bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I'll kill my brother Jacob. And again, I encourage you to go to the archived sessions uh, to uh, catch up to the things we've been discussing in the past months and years in regards to the book of Genesis. That's on Wednesdays is when we do uh, Genesis here. And uh, along that line, before we move forward, please, again, consider subscribing, liking, giving a comment, sharing the link far and wide, all that kind of good stuff. It helps this content move further and finding individuals like you and I who want to study this stuff, who want to talk about this stuff because we know it's important. (laughs) We've learned to know it's important. Um, It's good stuff. Okay, so in chapter 28... Now, moving forward, the text says, and before chapter 28, matter of fact, verse uh, chapter 27, verse 46, moving forward, because I think verse 46 kind of gives insight to what's going to take place over in verse in chapter 28. That good? That all right? So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him. Well, sorry, I'm reading chapter of chapter 28, verse 1 here. Let's go back to chapter 27, verse 46. Rebecca said to Isaac, so here's a wife speaking to her husband. Here's a mother speaking to a father. This is a family, okay? Rebecca said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob uh, takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? It's amazing what selfishness can do. It's amazing how it can pervert your your thoughts away from being thoughtful and selfless, being mindful of uh, her children's well-being and her husband's well-being. But we've seen, uh, sadly, a uh, contradiction to what is upright and moral, uh, what lacks integrity. Um, So... To her custom, it seems, thus far, being, of course, the source in which deception took place. And it was very cunning, very cunning. We tend to think that we'll spot the lie really easily, like a child tries to lie. You know what, you know what happens when a child tries to lie, right? We're like, yeah, yeah, right, sure, sure. You didn't take the cookie. Yeah, sure. Your mouth's full of chocolate. Well, we tend to think that's how it operates. No, no, listen. There's a reason the serpent was able to deceive Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve had a weakness, and the devil was able to embolden that weakness for his advantage, to his selfish gain. He was very cunning. They couldn't see the lie. 
They could have if that weakness was not giving them a blind spot, but they had a weakness and it gave them a blind spot. Hey, if we're all honest and transparent here, we've done those things. And some of us have done those things to a great consequence. Right? It's cunning. These individuals are professional liars. It's what they do. They are fraudulent. And there's a reason why they've chosen to have darkened hearts, evil minds. So Rebecca says to her husband, I'm tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. Oh, poor me. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? You know, so here's her argument. Here's, <laughs> she just, oh man, this could go on. You could, you could have this on Judge Judy or something, right? So now in chapter 28, Verse 1 says, So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Yeah, that's interesting. Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. So here's the instruction. Arise, Verse 2, verse 2, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take, a, uh, take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Man, oh man, why would you want him to marry within that ancestral lineage? Look at the problems. I don't know, I'm just, you know, sometimes in practical application to our faith today. Reading this here recorded account thousands of years ago, isn't it still the same very issues humankind has to face, families and whatnot? I mean, we have to discern right from wrong. Let's read that again. Isaac called Jacob. And in, in relation, of course, to, to chapter 27, verse 46, Rebekah said to Isaac. Now, Rebekah is the source in which uh, Jacob was sent to deceive his father for the blessing. And that's why, of course, that Esau bore a grudge against Jacob. Wants to kill him now, his own brother. <laughs> okay, so Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. Well, who's his mother? the source in which deception came along. And from there, take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Maybe, is, is there a problem in the family? I mean, is Rebecca's family part of the contamination? Like, where does her heart come from? You know, if I teach my kids to be evil, they're going to grow up and be evil. There's a pretty strong chance. I mean, it's... <laughs> If I, if I cultivate my children into carpentry, let's say that would be my trade. I am a carpenter, let's say, and I, and I raise my children within that sphere, that they are to be cultivated within the carpentry career. Well, chances are pretty big they're going to be carpenters. If they see my love for it, my passion for it, if they see me hands-on, the experience, the wisdom of it, they'll be attracted to that. They'll be um, um, persuaded to that integrity, and they will seek to follow the family lineage in carpentry. Okay, now apply that to anything and everything. What if you are born and raised in an atheistic household? 
that practices a more pagan or heathen way worldview. Chances are your kids are going to grow up that way. Why do our kids leave church? Why do our kids become these heathens in the world? Well, it's not always our fault, mind you. Sometimes, when they reach their independent accountability, they so choose to utilize their intellectual capabilities for the devil instead of for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Master. But at great times, it's because we parents are... We have blind spots. We don't see things. And because of that, we don't raise up our children the right way in the Word. If we're just being transparent. We try our best at times. We fail. It just is what it is. Each of us have to meet God on that term. Well, here, you know, what's been happening with Rebecca? Why would Rebecca tell her son to deceive her father in such a a traumatic moment of betrayal and devastation that now has brought forth a lot of consequences. Why, why do that? Where does that come from? Was she raised that way? Is that part of her family? That Does her family operate that way? You know, a corrupt family can do corrupt things. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Padan Aram, and uh, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Now may God Almighty bless you, he says, and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. With Rebekah's brother's family? Okay. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham, he says in verse 4 to you and your descendants with your uh, with you. You know, this ancestral, this bloodline of blessing, the promise of sorts, uh, that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which, uh, which God gave to Abraham. Now, you can invoke God's name into pretty much anything and everything you want to do. I mean, look at what Jesus said was going to take place from the religious leaders of the day who claimed to be followers of God and leaders of God and believers in God, uh, scholars of the law, you know, uh, um, they would say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? And did we not perform any signs? Did we not do a whole bunch of stuff invoking your name? And what did Jesus say? Well, I never knew you. You who practice lawless me, be gone from me. What? You, we can invoke the name of God for blessing on anything and everything. Doesn't mean God does. Doesn't mean God recognizes it. He won't if it's sinful. He won't if it's something quite foolish. It's important for us to understand that. Oh, may God bless your unity. No, 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 no. no the, the, they're they're in an adulterous union. God didn't bless them. The devil did, but God didn't. He <laughs> can't. You know. You, you, you can't ask God's blessing on an adulterous relationship. You can't ask God's blessing upon a couple who are not married, who are fornicating. Oh, may God bless you in your unity. You make such a cute couple. Well, they may, that may be the case. They may love each other. They may, they may uh, have a compatible personality. They may have the same life goals. But if they're not married and fornicating... I mean, God's not going to bless them in their fornication. Okay. Food for thought. So may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. 
May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you that you may possess the land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham. And listen, sometimes it's not that God blesses, it's that God allows it because of free will and to allow its uh, consequences to come to fruition. I mean, he allowed the devil to think that he had won the war when in fact he lost. The devil thought he had it made. The Pharisees and all these evil workers thought, we win. Look, we crucified the Christ on the cross there. Well, they wouldn't have said the Christ. They, we crucified this, this uh, 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 blasphemer, this thief, this, this devil. Interestingly enough, the very moment they thought they had won the war against Jesus is the very moment God utilized to be victorious over death. <laughs> sometimes the devil thinks he's won when he's run us off you know like the pharisees of the day you know push, uh, pushing out people from the synagogues that wouldn't bow down to their their subordination uh you know and stuff like that they, these these diatrophic types you know they push you out of, they run you out of the church and they think they've won oh we've gotten rid of everyone who would have opposed us you know uh they've just lost that's all it is, because we see in the account of Jesus and the blind man, right? Getting kicked, the blind man's kicked out of the synagogue by these uh, pharisaical hypocrites, and uh, Jesus finds him. Jesus blesses him. It's the same thing. Things that God will allow things to happen doesn't mean He blesses the sin. He doesn't bless the foolishness at all, but He'll allow it to take place in order to fulfill His will. And uh, so when you find yourself in, in times in life where things seem to be going downhill real quick, perhaps you've dealt with persecution, severe persecution, um, betrayal, or, or, or um, death, you know, of loved ones, stuff like that, all, all kinds of stuff that can, that can um, test us, give us trials, you know. Um, don't think that the devil's winning, God can take you from that moment and uh, bless you with insight, stuff like that. So anyways, the, the text continues. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham, of course, this lineage, and, all, uh, and to, to you and to your descendants with you, that you may possess uh, the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. Uh, then Isaac, it says um, in verse 5, sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, uh, to uh, the brother, uh, or sorry, Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Like, why would you send anyone to that family? Are you aware what she's done to you? What she's turned you, she's turned your kids against you. Okay, so now Esau, in verse 6, saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take to himself a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. To Canaan's land I'm on my way. Every time I see that word, I, that song comes to my mind. And that Jacob, verse 7, had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padanaram. So Esau, in verse 8, saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. And Esau, in verse 9, went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives that he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of 
Neboeoth, or Nebaoth. Imagine these names today, right? Oh, what are you going to call the sweet little baby? I'll call him or her Nebaoth. <laughs> it meant something, though. Those names meant something. They held a reason. And uh, so there it is for this portion, this section of the text and our study here. Um, there's a lot of turmoil going on, a lot of decisions taking place for the family. And um, they're not good. They're not good. Problems. A lot of problems. Sin brings a lot of problems. What can we take from this moment here? Well, you know, we should be wise. We should be wise to truly um, think, you know, before we make a decision. Who do you marry? You know, do we listen to mom even if mo if mom is telling us to do something wrong? You know, that can happen. I tell my kids something. You know, if I do something wrong, I tell my kids. I'm like, you know, daddy's not perfect. Daddy tries to be perfect like Jesus, but I sometimes I fail. If I ever tell you to do something or to think something that, that's not right according to Jesus, you don't follow daddy. You follow Jesus because daddy might get it wrong. It's the same thing with our sessions here and everything I've been telling you guys for years and years, over a decade. Don't follow me. I'm just the mailman. I'm dropping off the mail. I may be wrong. You look at the Bible. You look at those words in there. You study it for yourself. You turn off that phone. You get rid of all uh, the, um, what do you call it, distractions. And you take the time to read. and Read it for yourself. Because if you don't, I assure you, a tyrant will take over your thoughts. If you don't rely with your own independent accountability, your own mind, which God has blessed you with, someone will take it over. The Pharisees were very good at that. They loved the fact that the people couldn't think for themselves because the Pharisees loved to think for them. And when the Pharisees were able to think for them, control them, they had their praise and their money. I assure you, that's the ocean of religion today. That's how that operates. If you can't think for yourself, if you don't open the Bible for yourself and look into this information for your own self, your own study. Now, I'm not saying you don't go along with others who have the same humble heart as you to study together. That's a blessing. That's what we do here with the East Coast Church of Christ. We're equal and we study together and we ask questions together. Not merely to have ourselves a mishmash or some kind of a, a buffet of let's just be subjective on all fronts. No, it's to... Get to the truth of it, to understand the context and the interpretation the author intended for us to understand. But I assure you, if you become dependent uh, on upon someone else for your own religious path, uh, a tyrant, a Diotrephes, will manipulate you and have control of your thoughts. He'll make you believe all sorts of lies. He'll have you hating and uh, your own family members and bitter against them. He, I'm telling you. These kinds, they're evil. Wolves in sheep's clothing. These pharisaical types, just like in the Bible. They had their subordinates. They had the minds of the Jews at their beck and call to do what they wanted them to do. They had control because the people had no longer trusted their own thoughts within the text. Why? Okay, look at, look at this account here. Again, we have, we have Isaac, we have Rebecca, husband and wife, male, female, husband, wife, father, mother. You have the children, Esau and Jacob. There are sinful things taking place here, and they're going along with it. If they had an independent thought, 
and their hearts were pure, but I've been like, no, I'm not doing that. You want me to go deceive my father for a blessing that would belong to my brother? Like that's, that's treacherous. That's, that's evil. Those motives are evil, mom. You need to repent from that. That's not good. That's going to break the family and cause more problems. Matter of fact, I'm going to bring this to dad. We need to talk about this together. Let's sit down and talk this together. And I have to do that in a family. If not, the snake will take over. I'm telling you, the snake is a slithering, slithering devil. Got to be careful. So what do we do? Well, what do we apply? What do we learn? Well, there's a lot of stuff we learn here. We're learning, of course, the nature of God, knowing right from wrong, clinging to what is right and staying away from what is wrong. That should be the pattern. That should be the plot. But it isn't. And when it's not, we have consequence, a divided home, separations, Who do you marry? Do you ask yourself some questions or is it merely just physical? Oh, she looks real nice to me, so I want to marry her. Well, looking nice is a, certainly a benefit. I mean, obviously, you would like to be with someone you are physically attracted to. I mean, that I have no problem with that. The Bible doesn't have a problem with that. You want to look at someone upon which you find favor, but looks go away. Looks don't last long at all, man. They go away. And they go away real quick. <laughs> so you need to think a bit further, further than the flesh, right? Here in these ancient recorded accounts, we see all sorts of things. We gain insight from them. But they are useless to us if we don't apply it in our lives, if it's not applicable. Then we're missing out on the great knowledge of the scriptures, have to, to, to give us. Who are we marrying? Why are we marrying? Which family are we marrying into? These are important questions. Are we willing to put God first in our lives? I mean, what do we... Look at this. Look at this account here. We have a husband and wife separated. We do. We have a husband and wife separated by the infection of sinful things. Lawless thoughts and motives. We have two brethren separated. Two brothers separated. Now, the, now, now one of them wants to murder, murder the other. One wants to steal from the other, and the other wants to murder the other. And there's, there's chaos. There's no order. Sin is chaos. There's no order. You've got to be careful. So what am I speaking about? Well, I'm speaking about precautionary actions. Obviously, precautionary actions are important when you are thinking about marrying. Precautionary is important. Okay, well, what if you and I, like most people, come to the game a bit late, don't we? The mess has already been made. The chaos has already taken place. Is that game over for us? There's no hope now? No, 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 not at all. It's just going to take a, a lot longer now to fix stuff up, you know, because of the consequences of our poor decisions, our sinful decisions. I have to live with a great many burdens. A great many burdens. I pray I would have been wise enough to listen to the Bible and not allow toxic people to infiltrate our lives. That has caused us a lot of sorrow and a lot of pain. They've stolen from us. They've caused all kinds of pains. And they've been doing this everywhere. I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have not been friends with people who are taking advantage of us. I wish I would have not gotten involved with... Uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. 
I wish I'd have not done so many things. I wish, you know, you can live in regret, but that won't move you forward. It'll only, what happens when you live in regret is it gives you a blind spot. And then that blind spot will enter in bitterness and hate and unrighteous anger and, and, and revenge and retaliation, all that kind of stuff. You won't find peace there. So you and I, we, we, we come to the plate now, to the gospel, to our faith in Christ, and there's already a lot of damage been done, right? Uh, it's not game over. And I say game over, of course, in the common tongue of the people, but it's not a game. It's life. It's serious. It's reality. There's still hope is the, po- is the point. You have to find hope in Christ. And when you find hope in Christ, you can find peace in your life, even if you've made a great many sinful decisions. God can repair the most separated situations that sin brings along. God could heal Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Esau. If they sought God's counsel, his faith, God would have healed them. God could heal them. God can heal any family broken. You have to get rid of the toxic. You have to get rid of the fraudulent. You have to get rid of Diotrephes, the Pharisee. You have to get rid of the divisive tongue. You have to get rid of the sin, the evil workers that have infiltrated the family. You have to get rid of those. And once you, 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 you repent, you change, and you, you get rid of the sin that was in your life, in your family, in your church, in your household, wherever, well, then there's room for repair. Look at what took place, of course, with David and Bathsheba. That, didn't, that, that was a problem. That, there was a deep consequence to that, a loss of a child. Well, once repentance took place, there could be healing. The healing agency of God blessed them and helped them. We have to look at these things. They're very important. This life is not easy. It's a fallen world. It's very brittle, breaks easily. We live in a notion of time in which people have corrupted themselves and their families and caused a lot of a lot of problems. But God can heal a marriage. God can heal a family, siblings. God can heal his church, his members. God can heal a great many things if we get rid of what is evil. Deport what is evil. Deport what is evil off these shores. And there can be repair. There can be fellowship again. There can be love. There can be unity. There can be mutual efforts. Once the liar has been kicked out, the truth can have chance to uh, cultivate and flourish. We can learn a great many things in these accounts of the Old Testament. Don't ever throw the Old Testament away. It's sinful to do so. We'd be throwing away such a tome of knowledge. And of course, Paul would say, go to the Old Testament and learn from the Old Testament. Look at all these accounts that have taken place. You can, you can learn from the things we should imitate, if you will, that is good and faithful. And you can learn from the things that are sinful to not participate in that because we can see the consequences that take place. Yeah? What do you think? What do you think? Is there any value in this kind of information, in this kind of discourse, this dialect, this dialogue of sorts, I suppose? But it helps us in our lives, doesn't it? There's so much there. In our next session, uh, next week on Wednesdays, we'll go through Jacob's Dream, Jacob's Ladder. They made a movie about that. 
I've not watched that in so long. I wouldn't even remember much of it. I think I remember the actor that was in it. Of course, nothing to do with <laughs> nothing to do with uh, this portion of scripture, of course. But uh, yeah, Jacob's dream will be our next session, Lord willing, next Wednesday. Hey, listen, we go live Monday to Friday in this here early bird podcast sessions on Mondays. I upload and share the sermon I I, I I proclaimed to the East Coast Church of Christ. And on Tuesdays, we have Analyzing the Lyric. We take a song from the world, and we look at the lyrics, and we kind of go through that with a Christian lens, a Christian worldview, and we kind of look at the inside of the lyric, if you will. On Wednesdays, here we are. We have ourselves a Bible study. We've been going through the book of Genesis. On Thursdays, it's a topical trip. We take a topical point, and we speak upon that. On Fridays is usually designated for sociopolitical conversations, the current uh, condition of our uh, nations and stuff like that. It's a bit political, if you will, at times, but and it's not every week. I kind of reserve that one for maybe once every two weeks, three weeks, stuff like that, because sociopolitically, <laughs> it can get repetitive, right? <laughs> the doom and gloom of the world uh, is just never, uh, never takes a breath or never takes a break, if you will. But hey, listen, if you find anything in there that might be of any value to you, please consider following, subscribing, uh, give us a thumbs up, a like, share a comment, share the link far and wide. And hey, listen, we, the Added Souls ministry moves forward. This studio, this office moves forward by your a- a ability and willingness to support us financially. That's how that operates. It's very transparent. My reports, my updates, you can contact me. We can have ourselves a video chat, email, phone call, anything, whatever makes you comfortable. To alleviate any concerns, you may have questions about the kind of work we're involved with. Listen, it's good stuff, and uh, it's available to you if you are willing. And we always have to kind of reach our necessary goals. We're not there yet, but with your help, we can we can reach that. Contact me. Know how you can get involved with that. My name is Stefan Maier. AddedSouls.com is the website. I labor along the East Coast Church of Christ over here on the East Coast of Canada serving New Brunswick and all about Moncton, uh, Dieppe, and Riverview. Uh, We're a beautiful, wonderful church, a good and humble, uh, peaceful uh, membership, and uh, we got so many wonderful ministries. Uh, We are growing independently and collectively. Um, Get involved. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to to have you partake uh, with us. All that kind of good stuff. All right, my dear friends, stay focused and stay positive. Lord willing, we shall meet each other again tomorrow for a topical trip. And at any time, please, you can also reach out for suggestions. Is there a topic you would like for us to address? We can we can do that. We'll put you in the queue. We'll put your questions, your, your suggestions in the queue, and we will uh, do our best to present them in these sessions. And so uh, please keep that in mind. Stay focused, stay positive. Till next time, Lord willing. God bless.